What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview MLB Edition. This is the big 6-0, 60 episodes in. We are nearing the end of the MLB season, and we're still here bringing you the best information in baseball and in baseball betting. I'm your host, Taylor Ringgold, as always. And unfortunately, Griff, my co-host, unfortunately could not make it on this episode of scheduling, traveling conflicts, but... He'll be here at the end of the show. He sent in his best bets. Now, you're going to look on this today's schedule. Not many games, right? There's only four games, but we're still going to bring you some awesome information we're going to talk about. Of course, our weekend series spotlight. I'm going to give mine. Uh, Griff couldn't be here to give his, so I'll give you mine. Then I'll give you, of course, four-game slate, talk a little playoff macro talk, give a little depiction of what's going on. Guardians made the playoffs. They're division winners. You, you gotta love that when you're the Guardians. And I'm not gonna lie to you. I I did say the Guardians would make it as a wild card team. I didn't think they would make it for the first time as a division winner since 2018. But we'll get into that. But to kick off, as always, we're gonna recap best bets. Griff is a winner once again. I'm on a little of a skid. Not gonna lie to you. Not going to lie to you, I took the Braves, Phillies. Phillies absolutely destroyed the Braves on Friday night. And I, the Phillies wish they had that sort of luck the entire way. And it's looking a little dicey for the Phillies. But, you know, I guess you got to take the wins and you can get them. Unfortunately, I didn't I didn't grab the W in that. Of course, Griff, he won Tigers one and a half runs versus the White Sox. The White Sox are imploding. So is the Twins. We'll get into that. AL Central division, which has been completely flipped upside down since the last time we were, I mean, the last time we were talking about a division winner in that league, we all thought that the Twins were, you know, that the All-Star break Twins were leading. It's the Twins in the bag. And on the last episode, I declared, and I want to say alongside Griff, I don't know if he 100% said that he's counseling the season for the Twins, but I said it was over. And then moments later a couple days later then the guardians clinched the playoffs uh why a division champ so um yeah so that is a little quick recap of our best bets from this past weekend on friday's episode of course at the end of every episode we do our best bets at the end like i said griff has his i'll give you mine four game slate but we still have a lot to talk about okay i'll recap our weekend series spotlight. Well, my weekend series spotlight in a second. Before that, we're gonna give you a little a little ad here, like we do every single episode, and give you quick promos here. Of course, this is the college football season, guys. I'm a huge college football fan, and this is a huge college football promo for you guys to win some money, some really good money. And it's the Beat Greg Shakers College Football Contest, five hundred dollar cash prize. And a $500 bonus. So, Greg Shaker earned a profit of 38.10 college football units last season. That's a lot. But for this beat, Greg Shaker's college football contest, the contestant earns the most college football units, wins a $500 first place cash prize. And then that's not all. The winner earns more units than Greg Shaker did last year. Then the contest winner gets an additional $500. So, if you guys are good at, are good at math, thousand dollars cash. 
Enter today. It's free. Just go to pregame.com. Click on the contest to find Greg Shaker's college football contest. Don't wait. Action kicks off this Saturday. I'm an Oklahoma fan. Oh, boy. Oklahoma had a rough time against Kansas State. And let's just say probably Oklahoma season's over. But I'm not going to be super sour about that because that's not the time and place. I'm going to give you one more promo here about baseball. And then we're going to get into a little playoff talk. And, of course, um, you know, our weekend series spotlight recap and then a quick Monday slate and then a best bet end the show. Last one here. Go to pregame.com. Enter in the word out 20 out 20 and save 20 percent of all purchases on the site. Good for seven days from podcast release. All right. Let's get into this. My my weekend series spotlight was a really awesome weekend for one individual player, but the, the, his team did not do so well. It was the Cardinals versus the Dodgers. The Cardinals coming into it had unbelievable pitching, but the offense has been scuffling just a bit. And we saw it again in the final two games of this series. Game one, of course, was an 11-0 victory for the St. Louis Cardinals. Game two, they lost 6-2. And then in game three, they lost 4-1. to Montgomery did not pitch well in game two of this series. Which, I mean, look, he hasn't really been terrible. He's been great since he's been a Cardinal, so you got to give him that. But the big key, the big story here is Albert Pujols. In game one of this series, Albert Pujols hit number 699 and number 700, 700 home runs for Albert Pujols. Unbelievable career. You have Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, Babe Ruth, and now Albert Pujols in the 700 home run club. Also, he has 3,000 hits, and there's only two guys that have that 700 home runs, 3,000 hits, and that is Hank Aaron and Albert Pujols. Pujols is part of the 700 home run club, 3,000 hit club, a batting champ in 2003. I'm reading off the stats here. A three-time MVP, a two-time World Series champ, 11-time All-Star, six-time Silver Slugger, two-time Gold Glover, one of the best right-handed hitters of my generation, and arguably you could say one of the best of all time. I wish our listeners here did a prop bet. They saw a prop bet on one of the sports books and say, look, like I'm going to go for a, at least one home run. Uh, unfortunately, I did not do that. I wish I did. The lines, I forgot where the lines were for two home runs. I saw it the other day. Uh, someone posted that they bet on. I saw, you know, of course, you're on Twitter and you see all these people. Per- Posting their, you know, their tickets and everything, and saw someone did uh, two home runs for Albert Pujols to tie to get the six ninety nine and seven hundred, and it was a huge cash out. But um, awesome weekend for Albert Pujols and the Cardinals. Pujols is, uh, I think he's the best right handed right handed hitter of my generation. I really think he is. I really think he's the best right handed hitter of my generation. You can say. Miguel Cabrera, you could say Hanley Ramirez. I'm sorry, Manny Ramirez, excuse me. You can say Manny, not Han- not Hanley. Um, you could say Alex Rodriguez. A lot of good hitters, but Pujols, the longevity of batting over 300 for so many years. It was really once he left St. Louis, the batting average dipped under 300, and it started getting into the low two, low, low two sixes, two sevens, even lower into the two fours and two twos. But you got to give Pujols the benefit of the doubt of having one of the largest, longest stretches of time 
of absolutely dominating the league, being the best hitter in the league. You know, I would say Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujols are the best right-handed hitters in my generation. Cabrera is also in that category of high average. Uh, you could not get him out. You know, Cabrera did win a triple crown. We'll talk about a triple crown guy in a few moments here. But Albert Pujols was on certain teams that were at one of the, some of the better teams of the last 25 years. You know, there's teams with, you know, the in prime Adam Wainwright, prime Yadier Molina. You had Matt Holiday at one point on the, on a Cardinal team. You know, Jim Edmonds. The, you had a, a, a crazy roster. And then in the middle of that lineup, you had Albert Pujols. Go look at Albert Pujols' rookie year. Rookie year numbers were Unfreaking believable. I think he was third or fourth in MVP that year. So, Pujols, congratulations. Next stops, Cooperstown. This is my weekend series spotlight. A little recap here. Uh, it was a great series. And the best moment of the weekend, of course, Albert Pujols. And I think it was the biggest sports story. Even with a football Sunday and a college football Saturday, Pujols' story leads the pack when it comes to the best story in sports. So let's go ahead into a little playoff macro talk here. Then after this, we'll get into our Monday slate. The Cleveland Guardians, they clinched the AL Central for the first time since 2018. 2018. The Twins had this division, I would say, wrapped up in a way. I think they were up a certain amount of games where you thought... Twins had it. The, the rotation was was looking sort of solid. The bullpen at one point was good. The lineup was the strong suit, right? You had all these good hitters, clutch hitters. Buxton was on fire in the middle of the summer, and then he goes out. Now he's on a season-ending surgery. He's out for the year. Um, should have probably got the surgery a long time ago, but he's been trying to push it out. And unfortunately, Buxton is always injury-prone. He's, I'd say, the most talented guy on the field on either team majority of the time. Best defensive center fielder, you can say, between him and Harrison Bader and a few other guys. But Buxton's bat is so valuable in that lineup. Leadoff hitter or a three-hitter crushing home runs. You take that guy out of the lineup, you're seeing that the lineup um, has not been generating a lot of runs. Carlos Correa is not having the year that he 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 kind of was promised. The Twins signed him to be a 30-home run hitter and driving 100 RBIs, 90 RBIs, and he's not done that. Of course, the Sanchez or Shella trade uh, has not has not panned out. Or Shella has struggled the last month or so offensively. The, the trades the Twins did with getting Michael Fulmer and Jorge Lopez have not really panned out. And of course, they have Duran in the back of that pen, who is the best in that pen. And you know, they added a Tyler Malley, and they have a rotation of Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan and Dylan Bundy. And Chris Archer, whenever he's around a pitch, but the Twins just fell apart, and now the Twins are twelve games back in the American League Central. Twelve. We're in, we're at September twenty sixth. I'm recording this podcast for you guys on Monday, September twenty sixth, and the Twins are twelve games back in that division. It's all wrapped up. Division's over. Now the Twins want to make a wild card. I I I don't think that's. I don't think that's possible because right now in the wild card picture for the American League, of course, Toronto Blue Jays are two and a half up in, for, in first place, fourth place in, in playoff seating, but first place in the wild card. 
Tampa Bay's right behind them, game and a half behind, a half a game behind, and then the Seattle Mariners are right behind them in third place. Then it goes to the Baltimore Orioles, who are four games back, the White Sox seven and a half, and then the Minnesota Twins at nine and a half games back in the American League wild card. It's over. The Minnesota Twins just imploded in the last two months and really the last month of the season. They're two and eight in their last 10. Pitching the bullpen. Griffin and I talk about it almost every freaking podcast when the Twins are up. The bullpen has been awful for them. Emilio Pagan has blown um, so many saves for this team. Oh, God, it stinks. Because I'm a, I'm a Twins guy. I like watching the Twins. I like supporting the Twins. I used to work for them. They're a good team to root for. They have young guys on the roster. Things are promising. Young Rocco Baldelli manager, and it just hasn't worked out. You know, Baldelli's won 100 games a few times. You know, made the playoffs. But is is he going to come back next year? I don't think he is because just you know they're they're five games under 500. They still have a shot of being a 500 team on the year 81 81, but they have 79 losses right now. They really got they got to win out. They have to essentially win out to become a, a above 500 team or a 500 team at the end of the year. I don't think it's going to happen. But for the Cleveland Guardians, the youngest team in the league to make the playoffs, youngest team in the league. The Guardians have had uh, an incredible pitching staff behind Bieber, McKenzie, and Cal Quantrell. The bullpen has been exceptional, of course, with Classe at the end of that pen, with Karachek and Eli Morgan, and they have a, a bolster of arms in that rotation and in the pen, and that's what's helped them bring a first-place team together. And, of course, they have a really good lineup, too. You know, led by you know Jimenez at second base, who's been unbelievable All Star player this year. But it's been the pitching, and Griffin and I had mentioned it, how important bullpens are to making a playoff team. You could date it back to the Kansas City Royal days, where they have Herrera and Greg Holland, and I'm now forgetting the third guy in that in that pen, which is probably a notable guy. But hope, you know, let me know in the comments. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. Boy, we've seen it over time. Even the San Francisco Giant days, you know, Jeremy Athel, and they have other, you know, Sergio Romo, and they have good bullpens there. And every team that wins a World Series has an excellent bullpen. And every team that's in the playoffs has an excellent pen. Teams like, you know, you, you got to fail that the Atlanta Braves, they have to figure out what Kenley Jansen's going to do. I know he's blown a few saves the last couple out, that was the last couple of outings this month. You know, you have one job as a closer or reliever is to get three outs, and then you're usually done after three outs. The, the you know playoffs can be a little different. You go test it, and you know you go two innings at some point, and that's kind of gets rough for relievers. So having a solid bullpen to help out the rest of your team is crucial. And I think the Guardians have something here. You know Terry Francona has has an, an incredible amount of experience with the Red Sox. Becoming a playoff team, World Series champ. He knows how to win. He's brought this Cleveland team to the playoffs at one point, 2018. But I think the Guardians have something special here. I know at our half halfway point here in our show, it was at the All-Star break. Griffin and I did a prediction show. I had them making the playoffs as a wild card team. I really thought the Twins could make it. 
the White Sox have been, I think, the most disappointing team all year long. Seven and a half back in the wild card. And the division, you know, of course, the division's all wrapped up, but they're 10 games back. You know, it's all, you know, I don't know who's, people can maybe debate on this, who's a more disappointing team in the division. Is it the Twins or is it the White Sox? I think it's the White Sox. White Sox were supposed to be a division winner. I would say a lot of teams had them winning the division. I had them winning the division preseason, then, of course, turned into the Twins. Now it's now it's clearly the Cleveland Guardians since they clinched a division crown. So good for them. Keeping on with a little wild card talk here, you have the Milwaukee Brewers, six and a half back in the NL Central, 16.8% chance of making the playoffs, one and a half games out of the wild card. Will the Milwaukee Brewers make it? I don't think so. The Brew Crew, like I said, game and a half out. Hey. Atlanta, of course, it's, it's going to be Atlanta or the New York Mets, that number one seed of the wild card or the division winner right there. So that's the team that's already in, right? They're both into the playoffs already. They both clinched. Padres are sitting up at that second spot of the wild card. And then the Philadelphia Phillies, which we'll talk about them in a second, having a, uh interesting series with the Atlanta Braves. They're sitting at third spot, and the Brewers are right behind them at a game and a half, and then the Giants are eight games back, eight and a half games back, so they're out. So it's the Brewers, and that's it. They're on the bubble, and they're trying to make it. The Brew crew this year have been an interesting bunch. You know, you have Josh Hader, who is the most elite closer in the game, and then all of a sudden, at before the All-Star break, something's wrong. You, you're noticing that Blake's blowing a lot of games. Maybe it's time for a change. They trade him. They add Taylor Rodgers. Uh, they turned Devin Williams into the closer. It looks like it's almost closer by committee at this point. We're seeing Williams getting closer opportunities, closing opportunities. Then we're seeing Taylor Rogers get closing opportunities. So Rogers had success in Minnesota, and then he had a little success in, in San Diego. He's had zero success in Milwaukee. It seems like every other day I'm seeing a highlight of Taylor Rogers letting up a home run in the, in the bottom of the ninth or the top of the ninth inning, whatever that may be. The bullpen has been the issue. The, the The offense has been carried by Hunter Renfro and Willie Adamas. Willie Adamas, I think, could win a silver slugger this year at shortstop. I really think he's had a, a remarkable season, over 30 home runs as a starting shortstop. We all know shortstops hit 30 home runs are usually considered some of the best in the league. Willie Adamas is a plus defender at shortstop, and he's having a great year offensively. Hunter Renfro, another great year for him, carrying the offense. Not a high-average guy. But he is a guy that is bringing this offense with him. You know, they have uh, Rowdy Telez is having a, a decent year, but you know, there's other guys in this lineup like Yelich. Imagine if they had MVP Yelich. Of course, they'd be a playoff team. They'd be probably division winners at this point. But this is another team that has bullpen trouble, and I don't think they're going to be making the postseason here. I think the Phillies are going to scratch it out and just barely make it. As a as a playoff team, and the the fight and Phils have been struggling, scuffling a little bit. They lost two against the Braves, a little two game losing streak. They've are three and seven in their last ten. And the fight and Phils, they have a few good arms in that bullpen, but is it are they have do they have enough uh, life? Do they have enough feeling in them that they're going to be? playoff contenders. The offense is what's going to carry them throughout the postseason if they make it far. 
Kyle Schwarber over 40 home runs this year, having an incredible year. I love how he leads off. It's like it's now the new the new norm now to have your best power hitters or overall best hitters leading off or batting second. We've seen it almost all year with Aaron Judge. Lately, we've been seeing Aaron Judge lead off. So maybe they're kind of uh, they're mirroring each other there. So Schwarber having a remarkable season. Hoskins has had a better second half. Adding Bryce Harper back into the lineup has been a, a huge morale boost. And for everyone home, you know, when you have you lose your best player, of course, as a team, you're probably going to scuffle, right? You're not going to have your same guy in the lineup every single night, batting third or fourth, knowing that you'll be getting a couple of runs from him each and every game. We'll try to. But when you lose Harper or a guy like Harper, and he's not in the lineup, he's not in the clubhouse, he's rehabbing, then he's taking his rehab assignments down in triple A and double A. You lose a guy like that, things change. And you saw it. The team scuffled. And then miraculously, they started playing well without him, which is important, which doesn't happen often. It's usually who are the better teams that could support themselves without their best player in the lineup each and every night. Now Harper's back. The pitching's there. Nola Nola pitched great against the Braves in that first game. I really thought Nola could scuffle against the Atlanta Braves. He was 2-2 two two on the year entering that game on Friday night. You know, Of course, Jake Odorizzi's not the answer in that Friday night best bet of mine. But I thought he can get at least a you know three or four innings in, and then throw it to that that really good bullpen. Now Kenley has been a topic of conversation on the show plenty of times, but you know, they have other arms in Kirby Yates and Rosalie Glacius and AJ Minter and Todd Mastic. So they have arms in that bullpen. I thought, but it got way too out of control early. It was down by nine, and it got out of hand. Anyway, can the Phillies make a push and secure that third spot? or even the second spot in the playoffs, it's a matter of the pitching. With Nola and, and Zach Wheeler at the you know, first two in that rotation, I think they have a shot. But you got to think it's all about the bullpens. It's really what it is. It's all about the pens. It's always about the pens. Which bullpen can hold it down? And we're clearly seeing three nationally teams, the Dodgers, the Mets, and the Cardinals, all in first place, what do they all have? Really good pens. Dodgers, yeah, Craig Kimbrell, I think he should get shot to the sh- shot to the sun, but they have a solid bullpen. The Mets have a very good bullpen. Edwin Diaz, Adam Adonio, you know, Trevor Mays here or there. You know, they have they have serviceable arms in that bullpen to get it done being that they have the best close in the game also really helps. I think I saw, I saw a stat the other day is that when they have the New York Mets have the league going into the eighth, they're 80 and O 80 and O this was a few weeks ago. I don't know if uh, things have changed since then, but that just goes to show, man, the end of that bullpen, you throw Diaz in the eighth or the ninth inning, it's over. That's very satisfying if you're a playoff team that you have a reliable arm that can get the job done. The Cardinals have an awesome bullpen with Gallegos. And, of course, they have Helmsley, my favorite closer in the league, throws 102. Jordan Hicks, who's 
spot starter or he's a rotation guy. Um, sorry, uh, spot starter or he's a bullpen guy, seventh inning. I wonder how they're going to be using him in the postseason. And then you had the you know, the Atlanta Braves. So we talk about the bullpen. Padres are are a team offensively. They they're they're really just a, a kind of a mess as a team. The fact that they're making a playoff push and they're making the playoffs as as of right now is interesting. Being that their big midseason acquisition in Juan Soto is batting right around the Mendoza line since he's been a Padre. It's a matter of time that he hits he hits up, and I think it's it's should be coming now. Hopefully, you got to you you have to turn up some point. You have to turn up some point. It's the end of September. You have a week left of the playoffs. I mean, week left of the regular season. You got to get something done. So it's a lot of playoff talk, playoff macro talk. Just wanted to talk about the division winners, um, teams that clinched. Of course, the Yankees, they clinched a playoff spot. The Guardians, division winners, Houston, division winners. So there's a lot of things going on still. You got a huge series coming up for the Yankees and the Blue Jays, which we'll get into in a few moments. But it's a lot of good playoff baseball coming up. Not really a great slate right now, but we deliver you episodes every Monday. And we're going to continue to do that every single Monday like we've been doing all year long. And why don't we do this? Let's get right into it. So the first game here on this short, quick, Four-game slate. We have the Cincinnati Reds versus the Pittsburgh Pirates. Chase Anderson versus Rowdy Contreras. Rowdy Contreras is a minus-150 favorite at home, and I agree on this. Of course, we talk, we've talk. we talked about the Cincinnati Reds and the Pittsburgh Pirates on this podcast maybe more than any other teams. For some weird reason, we love talking about these teams. Chase Anderson has been a journeyman. For the latter half of his career, for his mid-30s, he's been on four organizations since he's been 31 years old. Brewers, Blue Jays, Phillies, and now the Cincinnati Reds this year. Reds, he's not been that great. 5-2-1 ERA, 2-3 and three record, 19 innings, 11 earned runs allowed, 18 strikeouts within those 19 innings. He loves to give up the home run ball. He, at one point, led the league in letting up home runs. He loved 30 home runs in 2018 and 158 innings. That's a lot. So just expect there could be a lot of home runs in, the, in this game. Edwin, um, Edwin Diaz, uh, O'Neill Cruz. I was thinking about his other brother on, on the Reds, the other closer. But um, O'Neill Cruz, maybe look for a home run as from the Pirates. But I really liked watching this Contreras kid pitch. I I got to watch him against the Yankees on September 21st last week. You look at the line, it's not great. Four and two-thirds innings pitch, six earned runs, two walks. But the thing that stands out the most is the strikeouts. Ten strikeouts for Contreras in his start in the Bronx. It's not easy to pitch in the Bronx. Definitely not. Ten strikeouts was impressive. You know, level grand slam in that game doesn't help. That's what kind of the, the six is kind of a staggering number there. But Contreras striking out 10. He made Anthony Rizzo look silly, I want to say three times. He really has impressive stuff. He's been better of late. He had a really bad start. He had a bad start against the Red Sox, let up four earned runs and four walks. But ever since then, the walks have been getting a lot lower. We're seeing two walks a game instead of four or five walks game like he did on July 26th against the Rays. 
But the thing is, Contreras is not going to give you a lot of length in this game. Majority of his starts are four and two thirds, four and a third, maybe five innings. He has pushed it to six and seven a handful of times, but he's more of a five inning pitcher as of right now, being a young gun like himself at age 22 out of the DR. I like Contreras and the, Pir- the Pirates in this one at minus 150. Trying to battle out who's going to be the worst team in that division, of course, as of right now, the Pirates are record wise. But I think the Pirates have a lot of upside going to, into the future with with O'Neill Cruz and Brian Hayes and this Contreras kid. And they got a couple other guys in the minor leagues that hopefully can get called up next season. Uh, I like Contreras, home dog. I mean, home favorites here at minus 150. I like it. Our next game on this quick slate here Atlanta Braves versus the Washington Nationals. Will the Washington Nationals lose their 100th game of the season at home? I think so. It's not really a great matchup here. Bryce Elder versus Corey Abbott. Really, maybe one of the more boring starts we'll, we will talk about this week. Elder, he is 1-3, ERA. He has been up and down. He was up in April. Then he had a two-game start, two starts, two appearances in August, and then he finished out Two appearances this in the September last start against these Washington Nationals five and two thirds, one earned run, six strikeouts. I think you just kind of take the benefit of the doubt here. The Atlanta Braves are the better team. It's Elder at minus two fifty road favorite here. Over under is nine. A lot of offense could happen in this game with with Abbott on the mound. Abbott's been on this roster since. Early early July, he was here once then June 19th, but he's been with the with the club since late July. And he's you know, he's had some really bad starts. I mean, against the Phillies in August, he left seven earned runs, walked five. He's gonna walk a lot. Uh loves to give up the home run ball. And it's also the Washington Nationals we're talking about here. I think the Nationals will be getting their hundred loss at home, unfortunately, but the Atlanta Braves will continue to gain their ground on the National League East, which they have to win. Then these two teams have to win out. The Mets and the National uh, the Mets and the Braves have to win out to keep a uh their division hopes alive. This is exactly what type of baseball we we love to see. We love to see this type of baseball at the end of the year. Griff and I, we've been talking about it. We love to see that. Of course, we'd like to see the other teams like Dodgers are blowing the National League West out. The Astros are blowing the American League West out. Uh, the Yankees at one point, 10, 10 and a half game lead. Maybe it was even more than that. 15 games, 13 games. But we also like to see competitive baseball, and we're seeing that with the Braves and the Mets. And this is a series that the Braves need to dominate to continue to gain some ground on the New York Mets. So in our second, our third to last game here, we have the New York Yankees facing off the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto. We have Luis Severino versus Kevin Gosman. Kevin Gosman and the Blue Jays are a home favorite here at minus 115. New York Yankees at plus 105. Gosman has been the backbone of this rotation all year long. Of course, you have Manoa, who's been probably the better pitcher, but the veteran pitcher in this rotation, Kevin Gosman, has been holding it down for the Toronto Blue Jays. 3-3-2 ERA last start against the Fight and Fills, the playoff Fight and Fills. Six innings, struck out eight, didn't let up a single run. Previous start after that, though, was he's had two back-to-back rough starts, and then the Phillies game, he he 
came back down to earth uh, against the, the Rangers on September 10th, let up five earned runs over five and a third innings pitch. And then on September 15th against in division rival Tampa Bay Rays, seven innings, let up five earned struck out seven. The strikeouts are there, kids. The strikeouts are high. They're there. But can he get it done against the New York Yankees? The Yankees are riding high. They are on a nice little hot streak here. They've won seven games in a row, 94 and 58 record now. The Blue Jays are trying to still compete in that division. It's eight and a half back. Uh, the magic number is now set at two for the New York Yankees to clinch this division. Severino in his last start, which was his first start since July 13th, five innings, one earned run, struck out six against the Pittsburgh Pirates, great tune-up game for the New York Yankees and Severino. How is Aaron Boone going to handle this rotation going forward? And the number one topic here is, of course, Severino. Severino has been injury-prone many times throughout his career, and he's been on the IL a few times in 2020. I'd say Severino is really he, – he's going to be maybe going five innings again. Yes, it's important against these Toronto Blue Jays to get the job done and get the W's, but I still think that Severino is going to be uh they're gonna be they're gonna be using him very in the most safe way possible. Have him go five innings, just like a start like like what I just mentioned before against the Pirates, where he struck out six over five innings loud, just two hits. First first start since July 13th. I was impressed. I, I'm going to take the Yankees here at plus 105 uh, on the road. They're hot. Seven-game winning streak. They've won eight of their last ten. They destroyed the Red Sox at home. I would say Aaron Judge is going to be – I would say Aaron Judge is a home run during this during this little road trip in Toronto. You know, as, as a Yankee fan and a guy who talks about the Yankees quite often on this show, and a guy, I also work for a New York – based sports radio station at WFAN Sports Radio. I work there. Um, I'm around the culture there, and we're all talking Yankees all the time. And I just want to give a little bit about Aaron Judge here. You know, Judge, is is Aaron Judge pressing right now? I think he is. Anthony Rizzo mentioned it in a post-game interview. He said, no, he's not pressing. I think he is. The pressure's there. You saw it during that series against the Red Sox at home. Uh, you had the fl deep fly ball, the center field. That was uh, the cameraman for that Fox Sports coverage. Did an awesome job. Fooled everybody in the world. Thought that ball was going out and it was on the morning track. Then he hit a ball to left field a few games later that almost went out. Judge is pressing. There's at some points in these at-bats where he's chasing pitches outside of the zone, which he doesn't do that. Judge doesn't really chase sliders outside of the zone too often. And you can see he's trying his hardest just to make uh, something happen. He's getting a lot of singles, a lot of doubles. He's getting on base. The average is there. And speaking of average, Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is going for a triple crown, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, he leads the Leads the American League and leads the league in average. I mean, leads the league in home runs. Of course, Aaron Judge leads the league in home runs and in RBIs. But out of nowhere, he is leading the league 
in batting average. They really just kind of came out of nowhere that Aaron Judge is going to be competing for a triple crown. Right now, Aaron Judge and Bogarts are tied at batting 314 on the year. Luis Arias is batting 313 for the Minnesota Twins. He's right behind him. But can Aaron Judge get it done? Can he win a triple crown? I think he can. He, Judge made one goal coming into this year, a personal goal for himself, and that was to bat over 300, and he's doing that. Nobody in the world thought he would be competing for a triple crown at the end of September. Nobody. Please, if you thought this, let me know. I am very happy as a Yankee fan to see him playing this way. I'm very happy the Yankees are ending the 2020 season, regular season, on a high note. I think Aaron Judge wins the Triple Crown. You can go find some bets, I'm assuming, on that. But for this game individually, I'm going to be taking in this game. I like the Yankees. They're riding hot, plus 105. Severino might not go the distance, but they have that bullpen, which is pitching really well. And the Toronto Blue Jays need to win. They didn't win the win the worst. Right. The Yankees' average number is at two. I think the Yankees could get it done overall in the series. And I think they can get I really think they can get it done in Monday's game against the Blue Jays. And our final game of our quick four-game slate is the Baltimore Orioles against the Boston Red Sox. The Orioles, Baltimore Orioles have been scuffling. But this weekend they split against the Houston Astros. Could you say that? Could you say that at the beginning of the year? You couldn't say that even last year. Oh, the Astros and the Orioles split a four-game series. No way. Uh yeah. This is a. It's been an awesome story. Griff and I have been raving about this team and how awesome the story is for baseball and what it means to the Baltimore Orioles fan base and what it means to the team next year. They they could be a real threat next year. But it, it looks like that their their chances of making a postseason run are just about over. The wild card picture right now for the Orioles, they're four games back. They need to kick the shit out of the Boston Red Sox at Fenway. It's a four-game series. It's not going to be easy. I think that Jordan Lyles against Connor Seabold is going to be the, the right matchup for the Baltimore Orioles here. I have Jordan Lyles here at plus 112. I think Baltimore Orioles here. I've been betting on the Lyles a lot this year. He's been hit or miss with me, but Lyles' last start, kids, against the Detroit Tigers, nine innings, complete game, one earned run, home run allowed in that start, six strikeouts, allowed three hits. He faced the Red Sox on September 10th, though, allowed eight earned runs. I think coming off of a awesome start against the Tigers, I think Jordan Lyles can get it done against these Boston Red Sox, who these Red Sox are struggling big time to end the year. They're on a five-game losing streak. They're three and seven in their last 10. They are dead last in the American League West, sitting at 72 and 80. Who would have thought the Boston Red Sox would be in last place? Jeez. The Red Sox had... So much potential going into the year. Chris Sale coming back healthy at some point. Evaldi, Pavetta did okay during the postseason. Maybe he could be something in, in, in the rotation. Of course, the lineup with Bogarts and Martinez and Devers, and then they add Trevor Story in free agency. All the Yankee fans were livid about that. Story's been hurt, not really playing his, his best baseball. Devers has been terrible in the second half. Of the season, Martinez's power numbers are have declined dramatically. Offensively, this team 
has been a, a really disappointment in this in this season. So I, I'm going to be taking Jordan Lyles and the Baltimore Orioles at plus 112. I like that. All right, so that is our our Monday card. Um, of course, we do this at every episode. I give a little. Uh, well, Griff would do this ad read right here. Uh, out twenty. I said it before. Out twenty. Go to pregame.com. This helps us out, and this will also help you out. Go to pregame.com. Enter the word out twenty and save twenty percent off all purchases on the site. It's important to us. It's why I read it a couple times on this podcast. It helps you guys out. Get you twenty percent off all purchases on the site, and also gives us a little boost, if you know what I'm saying. So, without further ado, it is time for the best part of the show. It is our Monday Best Bets. I'm going to let Griff go first. Griff, what is your Monday Best Bet? Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Uh, Sorry that uh, I'm Griffin, by the way. (laughs) Sorry for uh, traveling back from... uh, overseas but unfortunately uh schedules couldn't align for a monday podcast this week um taylor i'm sure is holding it down as always but uh for my best bet i'm gonna go with kevin gosman the toronto blue jays um there's no line at the moment while i'm recording this uh in the wee hours of monday morning uh over here in vienna but um i imagine that gosman will be a, a slight favorite uh i think anywhere below minus 130 i'm i'm interested I'm just not really a believer in in Severino coming off the IL uh, and his injury situation. Gosman might have a little bit of an oblique concern, uh, which definitely worries me a little bit and probably restricts my interest at that minus one thirty number and below, of course. Um, I just don't think the Yankees are are that strong of a team and, and coming off uh, or that strong of a team relatively to the Blue Jays and then coming off. Sunday night baseball. I think it's gonna be a tough trip up to uh, Toronto, uh, and so I will play the Blue Jays and Kevin Gosman. Any number minus one thirty for my best bet on Monday. Thanks so much. Thank you, Griff. Appreciate it. My Monday best bet. I just finished talking about these teams. I'm gonna take the Baltimore Orioles. Jordan Lyles at plus one twelve. I like the Orioles in this matchup because how bad the Red Sox have been. Three and seven in their last ten. Jordan Lyles just came off a complete game gem against the Detroit Tigers, let up one run, three hits allowed in his last dart. I bet on Lyles a few times this year. So I like how the Orioles are trying to finish out their season above 500, and they will. They're sitting at 79 and 73. I mean, still have a chance to go under 500, but I think the chances of being above 500 team are still in it. So Jordan Lyles plus 112. Road dog. I like it. Red Sox are struggling. Can't hit. You really can't pitch that well. Got embarrassed the Yankee Stadium, a four-game series. Let's go Orioles. All right. So another great episode here. Appreciate everyone listening in. You guys can follow me at Taylor Ringgold on Twitter and all other social medias, Taylor underscore Ringgold on Instagram. You can find me on my website, taylorringgold.com, finding all my content about me and all the content I've done over the years, interviewing players like Mike Trout, and Joe Maurer, and all other athletes and broadcasters, Scott Hansen and Craig Carden, all these other big-name personalities, all I've done over my career are all on that site. So another great episode of pregame talk got, pregames.com, RJ Bell's Dream Preview MLB Edition is all wrapped up. Appreciate you guys sticking with us on every Monday and Friday. Always appreciate you guys. It's been a long season. 60 episodes are in the books. 
We'll catch you guys on Friday's episode. Good luck with bets. Talk to you guys soon.